Hello, and welcome to Caper Confabs, a health professions podcast from Caper Interprofessional by Design. Confabs are informal conversations. Caper Confabs aims to talk about a wide variety of interprofessional education and practice issues together. So, confab with us. What's in a word? Well, as it turns out, when that word is interprofessional, a tremendous combination of history, research, principles, heart, grit, and ultimately a vision of what it means to think, breathe, and live collaboration in service of the health and well-being of ourselves, our families, and our communities. In a nutshell, building capacity in teamwork and collaboration, the science and art of working together effectively, is a key driver of innovation in transforming healthcare, optimizing health outcomes, and positively impacting the experience of healthcare for individuals, families, communities, and populations. But, as it also turns out, playing well with others isn't always easy. There are nearly unfathomable complexities, from the micro to macro scale, in terms of systems, policies, hierarchies, institutions, individuals, motivations, culture, resources, and the list goes on. However, the promise and core philosophical values of Interprofessional Practice and Education, or IPE for short, have resulted in many important insights and successes, particularly in recent years. Today, our charge is to explore where the buzz is in the land of IPE and share some of our insights and experiences. Welcome to this inaugural confab with the team from Arizona State University's Center for Advancing Interprofessional Practice, Education, and Research, or CAPER for short. My name is Jeanette Senecal, and I serve as lead for faculty development initiatives in the center. My background is in the fun field of instructional design, or as I like to say, I'm a professional geek. And I am very fortunate to also lead an ID team for the College of Nursing and Health Innovation at ASU. Joining me today are my CAPER colleagues. Hello, my name is Terry Kennedy, and I have the lovely task of working with our clinical partners in the community and building interprofessional collaboration um, and interprofessional contagion. Hi, I'm Jerry Lamb, and I'm the director of CAPER, and I'm a nurse by profession and totally committed to advancing interprofessional work in the universe. And I'm Karen Saywert, a clinical professor here at the College of Nursing and Health Innovation. And thank you very much, Jeanette, for uh, allowing us to just say take caper from this point forward and, and saving some words um, in reciting that. Evaluation lead for caper um, and a nurse uh, that has a lot of interprofessional DNA in her soul. And um, happy to be here to be a part of this uh, fabulous, confabulous confabbing. <laughs> All right, team, let's get this confab rolling. To get us started, would anyone like to share how you came to the land of IPE and or if you have any personal examples of how it's meaningful to you, what does this look like in your real world? Well, I am happy to talk about my journey to IPE. Um, so I started out in practice and um, as a social worker was working in the community, working in uh, inpatient, outpatient care, in uh, geropsychiatric care. And um, I had wonderful opportunities of working interprofessionally and I had experiences that were less than wonderful. And um, I often think of IPE as sort of um, the way we do parenting. 
is that um, a lot of times in the community, um, we do interprofessional work the way that we've observed it or the way that it was um, experienced in, in our working environments. And so we can pick up really bad practices or we can be wonderful parents. And, um, and I think IPE is one of those areas where the art and science is something that we've, we've learned really needs to be practiced, learned and practiced, learned and practiced, um, and that there's an importance of getting a feedback loop for that um, and, and having an opportunity to do some um, reflexivity and um, sometimes catharsis. I love that example. I think for me, um, the words that were coming to mind was the butterfly effect. Starting out also in practice as a nurse, so many, many years ago, I believe that I, w I had opportunity to have experiences that were interprofessional in nature, uh, but I didn't have the language by which to talk about them being interprofessional uh, or talking about collaboration. So I think from early on with my uh, practice years came the opportunity to work collaboratively with others, uh, other disciplines. I started out in psychiatric mental health care, acute care-based hospital work, and so the idea or the notion of integrated care was never lost on me because it was so critically important to the work we were doing, and uh, and in treating and working with the individual, the patient, uh, holistically to look beyond ourselves and what we as individuals had to offer. So I think that's what got me started. And as those um, butterfly effect opportunities happened, uh, I my attention was heightened and I was attracted, if you will, to those opportunities to collaborate with others um, uh, in social work, in occupational therapy, um, in recreational therapy in the acute care environment, um, along with our medical staff, um, uh, nutritionists, etc. Like both of you, I think I've always been attracted to teamwork and the potential to really create something better. But I was really fortunate to be formally introduced to interprofessional work at the same time that I was introduced to mentorship. I was at the University of Rochester as a, as a student in the nurse practitioner program. And interestingly enough, because this goes back many years, um, the course in teamwork was required in the master's program. And lo and behold, the person teaching it was Dr. Madeline Schmidt, I had no idea at the time that she was one of the leaders in IPE, but I fell in love with teamwork and collaboration and the science of teamwork. And I happened to have a mentor at that point, Maddie Schmidt, who dragged me to every interprofessional meeting she could think of. And I didn't realize I was being socialized at that time and that Maddie was being very intentional but it really provided the foundation for everything that was going to come from there for me. And I think it just blossomed. I did my dissertation work in this area and then began to work across professions. But I really think the start was having somebody who was so passionate about it and wanted to mentor somebody 
to move into this area. A driving force for a lot of us in healthcare is our personal experiences and how they translate into what we want to see our healthcare system become. I, like a lot of other people that I talk to in healthcare, had, you know, not the greatest experience with my parents. It it really was a driver for me in looking at care coordination, which is my focus area clinically, and also what I consider as high-performance teamwork. And so it really was the core of kind of the connect between teamwork, collaboration, patient outcomes, all the things we talk about with the triple or quadruple aim is how do we work together effectively to improve healthcare? You both set up perfectly my example. (laughs) I wanted to share a little story from that perspective of a family member of a patient. Several years ago, my mom had to undergo a kidney transplant, and my brother was actually the donor, the living donor, and we worked very closely with a team-based care model in the clinic, and it was the first time that I had ever seen, experienced, or, or smelled this kind of of collaborative work in healthcare. And I had no model. Honestly, I had no model. This this was completely unique. And, and the interesting thing about the, the breadth of that experience, because it's not just you, you go to a hospital and have a surgery and it's all over. It's, it's a continuous relationship. And we had an opportunity where we saw it at its best and how it worked well. And we also, unfortunately, had an experience where communication fell apart and it did not work and it was striking. And building up this this model and understanding what this meant on a very personal level um, gave me an understanding for why the value of cooperation and collaboration in the work that we do as educators has impact for healthcare providers and workforce development, and that nothing happens in isolation. It has to be strategic, it has to be purposeful, and there is a real impact to be had. I think one of the things that I observed uh, related to, you know, in addition to communication, was the whole notion of of, um, feeling that you're part of a system and that what you do is important and feeling empowered as in the role that you play. And I felt that a lot of times when balls got dropped, it was people who didn't realize how important what they did, you know, that what they did mattered and what they did had an impact on that individual and had an impact on the family and had an impact on the entire team. And um, so really recognizing the importance of each team member's role the importance of that that dance that happens at the overlap that can either go beautifully and and beautifully choreographed or can really fall apart and and turned into you know kind of bad reggae. Um, <laughs> the great analogy. The great analogy. Yeah, <laughs> if there is such a thing as bad reggae. It sounds, and I know maybe this a uh, fair assertion that we have found a way as individuals to channel those experiences. Um, in a way that has likely brought us to the land of IPE in the way that it has. Is that a fair assertion? Yeah. Yes, for sure. I would say, too, it's the personal experiences coming together with the professional experiences as nurses, social workers, physicians, all the people we work with, but also serendipity. 
it's how you connect the dots. And the world of IPE seems to set up a special opportunity for connecting dots that I haven't found in many other areas. So, you know, an example for me was being invited to a conference where healthcare designers were talking about educating people across disciplines. And I had never been in a room with architects before, and it opened a door to looking at interprofessional work across not only architecture, but interior design, landscape architecture. But it, IPE opens the connections in ways that so many other areas just don't. So I, I wouldn't underestimate not only the personal professional, but the serendipity that has brought us all together and is, has made this so engaging and important. I think what, um, as I'm, I'm, again, taking in the energy that we're um, sharing with each other today and then saying, what's not to like? Then why isn't it happening? And I think that is, are still, those are still the questions and many more that are being asked in the land of IPE. If, if this is all serendipitously or otherwise, if there's other people out there on their journey to the land of IPE, how do they plug in? And if this is the right thing to do, why aren't we doing more of it? And those become the challenges um, to the work, I think, in front of us. And that's been the journey that we're on together. We've been doing this as a team a long time together in the scheme of things. And I think we all recognize that IPE is not new. It's been around a long time. And it goes through these changes, and it increases, it disappears. And I think part of the question that you're asking, Karen, why it's so important, is why is this time different, and how do we keep it moving? And I choose, choose, I think, purposefully to look at this as opportunity, understanding the challenges, and I think what excites me most about this time is the opportunity. When you look at all the people across the United States and actually internationally who are involved in this, is we've made tremendous strides in the last five years, six years, with the National Center, with the competencies. And so the question, if I were to frame your question is, how do we keep the dots going, and how do we capitalize on what has happened and the momentum so that we don't lose it and we don't end up, as we've seen before, on this roller coaster of IPE disappearing? Karen, I love when you bring your evaluator hat out and you you bring us to thinking about this systematically and at that, that bigger picture level from time to time. And... Um, it, yes, it needs to be purposeful, and, it, and we need to ask those hard questions. Uh, Jerry, just as a point for our listeners, you, you referred to competencies. Could you explain what, what you're referring to specifically in terms of where, where we are with competencies? When I refer to competencies, I think I'm referring to what educators like Karen and Jeanette talk about, which is the knowledge and the activities and the values that drive interprofessional practice the KSAs. And what has happened in the last 
couple of years um, is that we have done a much better job in saying, what are the skill sets that you need to be a good team member? What do you need to demonstrate? And what's really exciting is the coming together of the health professions in agreeing on those competencies and what our students need to be able to demonstrate, to be able to practice in our healthcare system. You know, I ponder things like rules, regs, standards. They're certainly a part of my everyday existence and in my role, my evaluative hat. Yet, I still hold on to the, the piece that if we don't get beyond beliefs and values, we'll never get to skills and abilities and knowledge and impact and outcomes. And in so we're, we're preaching to the choir here in terms of the four of us, in terms of trying to convince each other to consider valuing uh, interprofessional education and collaborative practice because we're already there. But if we're also sending people down a, you have to do this because it says it, you need to do it in an accreditation standard is different than I believe in doing this. It's the right thing to do. Uh, I value it. Um, that's the organization values this in the organization. It just so happens the accreditation body agrees with us um, <laughs> versus that a regulatory influence. But I'll take it, I guess, if it starts moving the needle. But it it's it's can't. I don't believe it can sustain itself only by essentially being told that we have to do it, and period. I'm going to speak from a sustainability lens, and um, so my area of, of research is looking at sustainability of initiatives. So what I look at is opportunity structures, and so that's basically what fosters or what hinders things from continuing. In looking at what are the opportunity structures with IPE, a huge one is that in the past it wasn't required. So I think by having accreditation standards, and now we're in the process of harmonizing those standards so that educational programs who prepare health profession students will have some agreed-upon guidelines of what they're needing to do to prepare students to work in the healthcare arena, we know that one of the areas that is still, you know, needing to catch up with education now is on the practice side. And I think that's why there's been such a focus nationally and also obviously in our arena with CAPER is looking at the importance of that intersection between what we're doing in universities, preparing health profession students, what's actually happening in practice. And I think we get some complacency because we have this notion that, oh, I'm doing integrated care, and we're, we have this group and this group, and we're working together. So yeah, we're doing interprofessional practice. And indeed, what is happening is not interprofessional. What we're seeing is side-by-side, -side, siloed care. We're seeing warm handoffs, and people say, oh, I'm doing warm handoffs, so I'm doing IPE. So I think there's the, this sense that, that, oh, we're already doing it, check that box, now we can move on to the next, you know, hot topic. And I think it's one of those things that we, we just have to remain vigilant and we need to maintain those connections between health professions, education, and practice and, and really have continue to deepen the science. I think the science is moving us forward also where we're getting finally to patient-level outcomes that are, are beginning to say this is important to the work of, of IPE continuing. 
I just want to say I love how you are able, collectively you around this table, to bring these connections to bear between valuing something and understanding that it, that it feels right and it's important, but what does that mean objectively? When we bring those standards, those competencies, those collaborative objective measures, that's, that's important. It's not just one or the other, it's both. And Terry, perfect segue for, you know, other hot topics there and moving on. I I think it's safe to say that our team loves going down our rabbit holes. In fact, there might even be photographic evidence of this phenomenon out there somewhere. So let's jump down. There is. (laughs) Let's jump down another one and talk a little bit about what else is is new, emergent, what's hot and, and buzzy and exciting about your work in IPE today. We talked a lot about history. What's happening right now in the moment? Well, for me, um, surprise, surprise, um, it's about assessment and evaluation um, in the sense of asking the questions, is what we're doing making a difference? And where are those differences? What are those differences? I think a new arena for me and an exciting one is in the area of leadership and contemplating what I believe is the difference, there, that there is a difference between leading interprofessionally and, and interprofessional leadership and working to share that, that perspective of what it means to lead with an interprofessional lens and not limit the concept of leadership in interprofessionalism as a person who leads in an interprofessional context. That in and of itself, it's, it has its own lens, it has its own feel, its own texture, its own smell. I should have said aroma rather than smell. <laughs> Maybe it does have a smell. But that it, it comes with its own sensory inputs that one, I believe, one needs to tune into. So that's an exciting arena uh, for me and work that I'm currently highly involved in, in both my thinking about it and, and doing it. It's exciting. I love watching us carve out important areas in CAPER and watching each one of us make something our own. So Karen, your work in leadership has has really pushed me to look at different questions. What is leadership in IPE? How is it different? Can we always make the same assumptions that the team leader is always the same team leader? And how do we prepare students for this? So your work has really challenged me to look at leadership differently. And Terry's work, your work in sustainability, if I were to put my finger on what do I think is one of the most important questions right now in interprofessional work, it's how do we sustain? How do we grow these programs? How do we get them to scalable levels? And Jeanette, your stuff in technology (laughs) just amazes me. Um, It is such an important area as we look at bridging education to practice and dealing with the differences in our cultures. And of course, for me, I think I always have had my foot in so many worlds, the clinical, the education, the research world, is where does all of this come together in IPE? And for me, it is in the high-performance teamwork in the clinical side, and how do we prepare people? So I love the work we're doing 
in teamwork for vulnerable populations. I just think it is so important. So um, I'll talk a little bit, again, from sort of a sustainability side of it, but this is also kind of from a generativity side, is looking at, and I think we're going to be talking about transitions coming up here, but I think one of the things in terms of, of looking at sustainability is that we've got champions in place, but we have transitions of life transitions coming up. And this is across the country, and we know that nurse leaders, social work leaders, healthcare faculty across the country are retiring. We have fewer people coming up through the ranks who are prepared to fill those positions. So one of the really important areas in terms of sustainability is really looking at leadership succession planning. And also this, there's a concept that has been around for quite a while, but really hasn't been practiced very well. And that's one of knowledge management. And that's it's sort of the leadership side of how do we do warm handoffs. And then I think also just this whole notion of self-compassion and compassionate leadership, sort of bringing it back to Karen's area, is looking at um, how can we model better self-care as leaders? How can we practice better self-care as individuals? Um, and looking at the quadruple aim so that, because I think the self-care piece and the leadership piece are really important to the quality of care and the cost of care in terms of the, the work we're doing in IPE. Jerry and I recently have been working on a project with Leslie Manson out of ASU's College of Health Solutions to do some work on return on investment and what it means to have the understanding of the business perspective on interprofessional team-based care practices and what the, the dollars and cents value really is and can be. And I think that's also very important back to this idea that there are systematic and cultural and leadership changes that may not necessarily have caught up to the fact that there is a case to be made there as well. I'd be remiss if I didn't reinsert myself into this part of the conversation and also speak to evaluation. The recent experience of presenting a workshop at the Arizona Nexus conference that was held earlier this year provided an opportunity to engage with colleagues and open up conversation and discussion about evaluating our work, evaluating our leadership work, evaluating our teaching uh, and our practice, and bringing to our colleagues and my colleagues a model for doing so. And want to acknowledge that, I, you know, I believe evaluation of our work will remain and should remain a hot topic moving forward. The work that Scott Reeves and his team did in, in offering us a revised taxonomy for thinking about that, framing uh, how we ask our questions, how we think about the work that we're doing is going to be critical. And those evaluation questions are, are what becomes compelling and become the drivers and the fact that we're even having the conversations about what are the questions we want to ask ask is significant. So Absolutely. Um, All right. Well, let's shift gears a little bit and, and come back around to that podcast elephant in the room or play within the play or holding up the mirror and reflecting however you choose to look at it. Why are we doing this now? What's compelling about this platform as a venue and a mechanism to extend our ripples? Why, why are we here? At the end of the day, I think we share a passion for improving our healthcare system. Everything we do is to improve the quality and effectiveness of our health care and the well-being of the people who deliver the care as well as receive it. So that's why I'm here. Back to the butterfly. I'm hoping that there will be something here 
that sets off a butterfly effect someplace else, and that we have an opportunity to be both on the giving and receiving end of that uh, through the tweeting that is likely to occur and the use of social media, hearing people and listeners' reactions to what we've shared today. It enlarges our world, and hopefully we become a part of a larger world. I think that's why I'm here. Fantastic. Terry? And I've had an interest in having the opportunity to look at doing a podcast as a group for quite a while in terms of really expanding the reach of IPE. We've been doing smaller gatherings of students um, and bringing in people from the community, and there's a lot of excitement around the work that is being done in the community and and at ASU and and at the, the universities with whom we collaborate in Arizona with our Arizona Nexus. And I see podcasts as really an opportunity to, to share the stories that we've been sharing around our little individual campfires and having, uh, again, sort of an IPE contagion um, effect. So This is who we are. This is what we do. And this is what happens within CAPER. I think it's... It's an approach to capturing that and, and sharing it beyond. It's back to sharing. But there's what there's some benefit. You know, I, I I'm I'm sitting here listening and thinking, okay, I've worked with all of you for a number of years and I'm still hearing new things for the first time, new perspectives, things are unfolding, and I know that my thinking about this conversation will continue past the time that this podcast ends. And I think that's the power of the platform. Uh, we're happening to put it into a, an electronic digital form so that uh, we just don't keep it close to the chest uh, and we're sharing it out. I'm, I'm so glad to hear some of these words that you brought forward in terms of stories, storytelling, conversations that continue. They're bigger beyond a static point in time portability of learning, the opportunity to extend our network. These are really, I think, fundamental components of why we were willing to go down this rabbit hole and explore this as a means to extend our ripples. From my perspective, and I, I bring a little bit of a, a dual hat um, to this in terms of my work with academic innovation at the College of Nursing and Health Innovation, and we have been engaged in our instructional design team in producing a podcast for the last year and a half or so, and understanding an evolution of what it means to be a part of that in terms of we might stand up and think that this is about getting faculty development out, or it's about bringing our professional networks in, or, the, you know, there's something that this is, is a, a means to an end, and learning that it's more than that. It's, it's an opportunity for us to do multiple things at the same time, build our networks, and invite others to the table without always having to be here at the table. There's something quite powerful there. I think, too, about the things that I enjoy listening to and how I'm learning these days. And I realize more and more that the things that I'm drawn to are podcasts. And so I'm a consumer of podcasts, and I think about the ones that have had the most impact on me. And they tend to be the ones where you really hear the, the transparent voices of the people 
who are participating. You hear people enjoying the conversation. You hear them having really lively dialogues. It's sort of like a, my dinner with Andre on the radio. I always loved conversation and grew up watching talk shows and have always loved conversation. And I think it brings back the the art of conversation. And then in this case, it's particularly around, you know, those thorny issues of, you know, how do we keep this this fire burning? Um, you know, how do we get to a Billy Joel, you know, I, we can't stop the fire with IPE. <laughs> so I, I think this is really an opportunity for us to, you know, hopefully have other people listening hear the, the energy around IPE that we are discussing, think about their own setting and how can they address IPE. And it'll just be fun to see where this goes. Absolutely. And I'll throw out there a, a recent um, editorial post from the University of Connecticut that mindfully spoke about some of the relevancy aspects. And we'll provide a link to that in the show notes for this episode as well. But they, they boiled it down to whether you're listening to a podcast for entertainment or personal development or education, whatever your particular um, need is, at the end of the day, we're doing it because we want to relate the concepts to our life and those around us. And I think that gets back to we're, we're bringing our authentic selves to talk about topics and hoping that that's, it doesn't end there. It brings others back to the conversation. I think finding voice, opportunity to share voice, um, and it's a vehicle for that. And so that description really makes sense to me. Uh, and not just giving the four of us voice, but looking forward to the opportunity to have others around the table um, synchronously um, in real time, in person, and adventure into also doing distance um, engagement with others Absolutely, um, to have them share their voice as well. And that's a great place to point out that our other CAPER team members are very excited to be a part of this very soon in upcoming episodes. And we just got, we got the lottery of being the, f <laughs> the first ones out the gate, but stay tuned because they have also very important and very meaningful stories to share. So as we bring this confab into the home stretch, here's a question for Jerry to start us out on. Jerry, from your perspective on the cusp of retirement, for all of the progress and change you've seen and been an active part of, what's still on the horizon that is most exciting? I don't think I have enough time to answer that question. <laughs> there are so many really provocative things to explore, and we've identified a couple of them. I, I would say some of the ones that interest me most right now are really getting the science going, having more theories for effective teamwork, being able to demonstrate it. Terry's question of succession planning is particularly meaningful to me right now. What are the skill sets? How are we preparing people to lead the future of IPE? I happen to believe that we need system thinkers. We can't bring together all the pieces, Jeanette, that you were talking about related to the passion, the practice, the education, the evaluation, the return on investment, the connections to the healthcare system if we don't have systems opportunities and thinking. And working outside of healthcare has helped me to appreciate the role of creativity and intuition 
in all of this. And, and so what really excites me is bringing together the strengths of our health professions with other disciplines to solve problems in new ways. And I can't wait to see how all of our colleagues, whether it be here at CAPER or in the Arizona Nexus or nationally, can use all of the tools available to us to really solve the complicated problems we're facing. I'll just talk in terms of kind of carrying on the theme of, of, you know, kind of transitioning, transition planning, and doing it really in a, in a very mindful way. And, and I think it goes back to something you said earlier, Jerry, about the importance of mentorship and, and, and the impact that had on you, on the trajectory of your career, on all the impact you've had on so many of us. And those are things that are lasting. And there's that Eric Erickson, generativity versus despair, um, and 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 really looking at the generativity side of that, and and I think in addition to really having people who can think in complex ways about how to how to solve these these challenges that we have in healthcare and in education, and um, and also looking as you said about you know kind of the the intuition piece of it, and I think there's also this this practice wisdom, this experience that we gain as we work in the field of healthcare, as we work collaboratively in teams, um, as we work in education, and as we cross you know the 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 chasm um, with the nexus and 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 the the cross currents between the universities and um, and healthcare systems, you know I think that that having really developing mentorship opportunities and encouraging those um, so that we I'm, I'm going to go back to my 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 fire metaphor that, that we have keepers of the flame who can b then take that to the next generation of learners and practitioners. Um, I think that that whole area of intuition and practice wisdom is really the the art piece that, that we often miss and the feeling piece that we often miss. It's beyond being socialized into this way of thinking, and it's finding that sustainability of having an interprofessional identity in the work. Jerry, what you said about succession planning, what you emphasized, Terry, uh, about succession planning, and systems thinking, the thought that strikes me is so often we see that initiatives become people-driven rather than systems-driven. And so as people retire, as people um, go, you know, leave teams, as new team members come in, we can be at risk if our, if our systems don't embrace those beliefs, those values, those philosophies, and that they're solely dependent on, on the people and the presence. So uh, a compelling question might be for any of us, you know, uh, how much of the current wave and ripple for IPE is dependent on people, unique people, and how can it be owned by a larger entity? I'm not saying that very well, um, but it's, it's beyond, it has to live beyond us. Legacies are great, um, you know, and making real-time contributions are fabulous, but we want to make a difference, and that's a part of why we're here. Karen, I think that's really beautifully stated and 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 you know what it speaks to me is is we've got to be part of culture change and and intergenerational culture change and organizational culture change and that that we've you got mean to our work isn't done 
I think we have another confab that we could I do. I think or so. Two. Listen to that. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's fabulous and and very articulate. All all of you. Uh, I would say that I. I get excited about being a warrior for the the, the <laughs> charge it. of teamwork, of collaboration, of cooperation rather than competition. And it's not just as educators or practitioners or healthcare. It's it's a way of being. It's a way of thinking and living. And you know, I think about how I want to instill values in my my child. That this is this is important. It it's meaningful in forming connections with humans. Maybe we need to change teamwork to team play, and more people would want to get on the field. Good point. Team, you are simply awesome. And I so appreciate this opportunity to learn about, from, and with you today. Your keen insights always remind me that we all have a stake in this work. We're all learners, we're all patients, we're all families, and our voices are important. I would like to extend a special thank you to Aaron Kraft and generously sharing his time as media producer today and doing a most fantastic job. And we invite our listeners to check out the episode show notes to explore some of the resources we touched on in today's confab. We would also love to connect with you and hear about your buzz. So please reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook. Welcome to this inaugural. Inaugural. Yes, I know. Seriously. We all have our words. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay.